All right, we're here uh, in the studio today with Sarah Emilar and John Riddle, authors of Where to Bike Los Angeles, your, your spiral-bound guide to 81 rides, 50 adults, 31 kids' rides here across the greater Los Angeles area. That is greater as in from Azusa to Long Beach and, my gosh, Santa Monica Mountains to Palos Verdes. Really incredible scope you guys have put together for this book. And as Chicken Leather was pointing out, um, this book is its a part of a larger series, uh, many guides in the same format, but it's a, it's a wonderful guide to have along. I just want to talk a little bit about the, about the actual the book itself. It's spiral bound, but it's got a wide, generous spiral binding, so the pages don't, you know, don't bind up together. It's easy to flip through. It's got, it's got a heavy duty, heavy duty cover with a cover flap that helps you um, close the book, but keep where you know keep your place in the book. It just folds into the book, so you can always keep your place. The front cover is this fold map with all the rides, so you can have this um, this quick access. And then every individual ride has a really nice kind of narrative write-up, um, uh, a little at a glance how to get to the ride, what links, what other rides are nearby, so it links to to proximate rides. And then it gives an idea of the scale of difficulty, classifies the ride, is it park, urban, or uh, rural, and they talk about the facilities that you'll find on that ride. Is it uh, just an on-street ride, or is it a, a bike lane, or is it a bike route or path? Um, so all these things make it a really handy, usable guide. Now, Sarah, you were saying that there are several other books here in the, uh, in the same series coming out for the LA area. Tell us about those. That's right. Uh, well, I was starting to say that um, we're one of the, well, the first uh, books that was done for the for U.S. city by this Australian publisher, Where to B uh, Bicycling Australia, and uh, they picked um, L.A., San Francisco, Washington, Chicago, Philadelphia, and New York. And what they discovered was that Southern California around LA is one of the most interesting areas for evolving bicycling. So they really zoomed in on this and now uh, there are going to be three other companion books just for Southern California. Uh, one that uh, has already um, been uh, issued at least to the author, mm -hmm. not officially released, is um, uh, Orange County Road Biking. And then there's going to be um, Orange County mountain biking. And also one that's coming out very soon is uh, Los Angeles mountain biking. Ours is really a road biking book. Mm -hmm. It really is. And, and the Orange County angle is really interesting to me because um, Orange County is like, you know, the kingdom of the car, e even, you know, even more than the L.A. region, which is so, you know, has so much variety, um, the topography and everything else, you know, different kinds of communities. Orange County in the popular imagination is a, is a kind of a homogenous, car-oriented, suburban sprawl place. Now, you know, having been there and looked around a little bit, I know that there are exceptions to the rule, and you know, Anaheim uh, doesn't feel like other parts of, of uh, say, Southern Orange County. So there's plenty to explore there, and yet I know from, um, from a bike blogger, Ted Rogers, who really looks at the safety aspects of cycling, the safety scene, He's constantly highlighting these fatalities and these hit and runs. There, Crazy. We're kill a radio. siren and honking out the window. <laughs> what did you plan that, Mark? I uh, know, but I can tell you it happens like clockwork when you're in the Kill Radio studio. Mm. You know, we're, we're, we're in Kill Radio studios of Vermont and Beverly, and this is like you know ground zero for urban noise, right? <laughs> right here, and uh, obviously we don't have a soundproof booth, uh, but we're working on it. So anyway, Orange County, you know, it's this uh, kind of you know, auto-dominated place. So the idea that, that we've got a biking guide coming out for Orange County is great. And then the idea that, that, that the publisher, BA Press, mm -hmm. is putting out mountain guides, mountain biking guides, well, is terrific. Yeah, I'm, uh, uh, first of all, a roadie. But I happen to have a mountain bike, and I've taken this bike on a lot of my travels overseas. And... I'm, I'm pleased that they're coming out with a, a mountain biking book because it's like it's 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 now my mandate to to learn all those rides and to put this mountain bike to work. So I'm 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 excited. It's mm. it's I'm going to be one of the first buyers of this book. Mm -hmm. 
I think we might get it for free, actually. <laughs> but um, it is un there's going to be some uncharted, t previously uncharted territory, so that's exciting. Well, yeah. to me, I'm a road rider also. You know, I'm never really mountain bike. So to me, a lot of it's uncharted territory. Orange County itself, is, for me, is uncharted territory as a road rider. And the mountains, totally uncharted, except for those canyon roads. I know some of those. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I really look forward to it. But I, I really love also your, uh, John, especially your your enthusiasm. I mean, here, here you've authored this kind of encyclopedic road guide for Southern California rides. And, you know, you're looking forward to a mountain biking cycling guide with the same enthusiasm that someone picks up your your book with. Wow, let me see. Well, let me dig well, into this. Sure. Well, it's... it's um uh, it's all bicycling, mm -hmm. and it's uh, whether it's on, you know, streets of Los Angeles or on a beach bike path, or doing some single track up in the San Gabriel or, or Santa, Monica Mount Santa Monica Mountains. It's all bicycling. It's all good. It's all fun. It's, um, you know, it's it involves some some challenges. You know, mountain biking's not my first uh, first skill set, but. It's a bicycle. It can't be that difficult, right? I can learn. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. Am I a sissy for uh, saying I'm too scared to mountain bike? No, I think you're just a, just a, you haven't um, your mountain biker ready to be hatched. You I, know, uh, you <laughs> to might, come you out might of your right. little shell. You, you might be right. <laughs> I, I'm so much more comfortable, you know, uh, riding down Alvarado, approaching you know uh, Six and, and Wilshire area, you know, which is can be harrowing, you know, mm -hmm. if you're not an experienced cyclist. I'm so much more comfortable with that than you know, heading downhill on a trail, which to me is like another range of experience I don't have. But, but you know, one of my, we talked earlier about favorite rides, and one of my, I, uh, I'm not sure if it's one of my favorite rides, but it's a ride I do all the time, and it's a ride I increasingly enjoy, and that is the, when they built phase one of the Expo Metro line, they also put um, a bike lane along almost all of Exposition from Culver City to USC. And I ride that at least once a week, maybe twice a week, because it's now my freeway to downtown Los mm -hmm. Angeles. And no kidding, I can get to downtown, like the Bike Coalition headquarters, faster on my bicycle going that route and obeying all of the traffic laws than I can if I were to drive. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of expo, the expo line, kind of paving the way, because there are these long stretches where the expo line is actually created a kind of a thoroughfare well, for the well, cyclist. Well, Venice, Venice Boulevard has a, has a bike lane roughly the enti that entire distance, but I don't like Venice because it's, the pavement's really... It's tough. Know, it's third world yeah. road pavement, it really let's face is. it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, which is really unfortunate because if that were, if Venice were repaved, it'd be an entirely different cycling experience. It's just really tough. For sure. And the Expo line, when they put in the train, they repaved most of it. And it's so it's a lot more comfortable, and it's um, fewer stops. You just just motor ride along for sure on for a bicycle sure. for sure. <laughs> well, you know, let, in a second, let's talk about our, our favorite um, local rides. Not necessarily rides in the book, or we can talk about those, but also just the, the the shorthand rides that we take. When I go to downtown, if I go to LACBC headquarters, for example. Um, I could take that route. I could drop, I live in Beverly Hills, I could drop through Culver City and then, you know, pick up National and Exposition and take it out that way. I, uh, at the opening line, at the Expo line's opening, I rode that, that whole stretch and, and I, re I really wasn't happy with the way they executed the, the bike lane there. And um, from, my, from my money, that's not one of the most interesting parts of town anyway. I, I went to, to, to USC for planning school, so maybe I've just taken that route too much anyway by car my my preferred route if i'm going to beverly hills from beverly hills to lacbc is i'll usually um hop up to santa monica boulevard which is no one's idea of a dream ride for sure um take that through west hollywood and through hollywood because the sense of history there for me is so you know is so interesting you know i really feel it i also know that when i'm on santa monica boulevard i'm on the old pacific electric streetcar yeah line and and as i ride by um by uh, some of the corners there i can see where the where the original streetcar line actually cut on a diagonal up to hollywood boulevard they had that there was a hollywood boulevard kind of a you know um spur spur thank you not a siding spur exactly and you can see where uh, where the legacy today is this kind of diagonal cut through creates this alley and la doesn't have any diagonal alleys except where the old streetcar streetcars went so i, 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 I also this route 
I'd also point out that uh, Santa Monica Boulevard is Route 66. It is. It's the mother road in a sense. You know, it's. um, I'm glad you mentioned it. That's. that's a whole other piece of piece of our history. Oh, is. for sure. Yeah, we, we spoke with Melissa Thompson uh, yesterday about um, mapping those adventure cycling routes, but you know, adventure cycling is also the force behind U.S. Bike Route 66 and the larger bike route system. Mm-hmm. You know, as I'm you know looking trying to make change in Beverly Hills, I often hang my hat. I, I love going to city council meetings and planning commission meetings. I've gone to so many in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Love it. Because I'm kind of a policy guy, yeah. you know, by nature, so I go there. And one of the one of the pegs that I hang my hat on is, hey, we're right on Route 66, historic Route 66, and moreover, there's an organization working to make this bike Route 66. How can we not have bike lanes in Beverly Hills on that route? Well, you know, we have to. We, I think if we if we um, leaf through the pages of history even further back, the the League of American Cyclists. We're really at the forefront of developing our national highway system in the late 19th century, early 20th century, because because it was because there were millions of bicyclists then, only a few hundred automobile drivers, a few thousand automobile drivers, and and the league realized that all of these people on these high wheelers wanted places to ride, and so so they went to to the national forefront in leading the cause of developing a national highway system, but first for bicyclists. They didn't even think about cars. Cars, they don't care about cars. They cared about bicyclists. So the national highway system we have 100 years later was really the brainchild of bicyclists. And so whenever we think about about these roads that, that, that cars are on, they really owe bicyclists a lot. More than they realize. Uh, yeah. Actually, we have um, something that refers to a, an extremely early piece of bicycle infrastructure in the book, which is the California Cycleway. Um, oh, you do? I yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 John actually can talk about that. Yeah, yeah tell so, us about that. Sir, so, um, about, uh, what, about 1900, 1904, there was this this character up in, um, in Pasadena wealthy guy former mayor or maybe he went on to become mayor he what he recognized was that there was uh, was Pasadena was increasingly a tourist haven okay downtown Los Angeles was downtown Los Angeles where a lot of people lived then but there was no convenient connection he also saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands of bicyclists. I think it was one of the first bicycle booms nationally. It probably was our first our first bicycle craze. And so he had this idea of building a cycleway connecting the population center, Los Angeles downtown, to Pasadena, tourist destination. And would connect it by this elevated wood bicycleway. So 12 or 14 miles worth of bicycling. You'd pay a nickel for the day, and you could bicycle from L.A. to, to Pasadena or Pasadena to L.A. His, his grand idea was that you would, you would bicycle uphill in the morning, okay, because it is uphill from L.A. to, to Pasadena, and you'd party and fiesta. And, in, incline, yes. Uh, the incline, right. exactly. And, and so you'd, you'd go up there, and you'd have your, your you know, lunch and cocktails and whatnot then when you got ready to go home it kind of kind of kind of be a downhill run to los angeles a A kind of a coast (laughs) it's not it's yeah my guess is you probably would have had to pedal a little bit but on your high wheeler just whiz on down home and get on the 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 trolley line and, and go home so a grand idea unfortunately in that era ahead of its time perhaps Probably, and, Pro- and also it was sort of interrupted by the the uh, importance of the automobile. Yeah, yeah, and I think there was some other um, um, uh, funny business going on because early on it was involved with a lawsuit with the guys that ran the the trolley line, yeah. the, the 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 red cars, and so. Uh, I think that there was probably some uh, some backstabbing or whatnot, but unfortunately we don't have it. But what did they build like two miles, John? Two or three miles of it. But what we've done in our book is we've said, okay, well we don't have the California Cycleway anymore, but what we can do is we can put together something that's pretty darn close. 
So you start at Union Station, which is where this, the California Cycleway would have started. And we work our way through Lincoln Heights and then on to the Arroyo Seco for a couple miles into South Pasadena. And then we get off and follow Arroyo Parkway into, into Green, Green Avenue, Green Street in downtown Pasadena where it would have ended. So. And, oh, I was going to say, that's one of the rare moments in the book where we were able to get historic photos. So we do have a photo of the Wood California Cycleway, which was courtesy of the um, Pasadena Historic... Uh, uh, historic Museum. Historic Museum, thank you. And another thing that we got from them, which I found very cool, was uh, we had some rides that are around the Rose Bowl area, and we have this... Uh, float a rose bowl float that is um, bicycle powered it's got four guys dressed up in three corner hats and that is a 19th century photo and they're they're definitely wow. uh, bicycle powered wow and yeah. I just I want to mention that just the photos for a second um, as I was looking through the book I'm, I'm thinking of course well they picked up a bunch of stock photos because these photos are great photos they're beautiful photos and Thanks. a couple of them like that, you know there's a nice photo of John uh, of John in front of the Beverly Hills hotel so obviously that's not a stock photo but so many of the other ones are just wonderful but you took all these oh and and we took something on the order of 4,000 photographs for this book many of them we think are better but for for various editorial reasons right. didn't make the cut but I will say that uh, we are going to create a blog so I think we'll have to give more information about that later but uh, some of the outtakes will be there. And also, uh, so much is constantly evolving here. You know, even since the book came out, um, I think part of the Orange Line route um, has been extended. Is that right, John? Well, we could go through, we could, it would take a long time to go through all of the, the improvements in the bicycling climate here that's taken place in the few months since this book has come out. The, the two bike lanes in downtown Los Angeles, the Expo line, extending the Orange line. I mean, the list just goes on. It's been so much has happened in the last year and a half. So the blog and electronic components will continually update all that. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned earlier, you mentioned um, the app that, mm -hmm. that goes with Where to Bike Los Angeles, mm -hmm. which puts in your hand in the smartphone, puts your, allows you to map your location with the GIS function, you know, uh, with the, the GPS function right there. Exactly. Put you in the ride. Yeah, and uh, a couple things about the book to just, if, if we don't want people to get the idea that this is like an eight and a half by 11 thing. It's it's actually rather small, probably five and a half by six and a half inches. Fits nicely in a, a, back. Back, a backpack. And there's shortly going to be an ebook be available on iTunes. So you could have in the entire book on uh, smartphone on a mobile device a mobile device yes. uh, iPad something like that mm -hmm. so so that's uh, shortly terrific yep wow all right so tell us a little bit about um, so we've got all these rides we've got 50 adult rides 51 51, 51 and 30 kids right? yeah so we've got all these adult rides what, what ride do you take when you go from your place in Culver City and let's say I'm gonna route you Culver City to Studio City, right? Not, not a, that's not a direct route that takes you through a bunch of different neighborhoods. How are you gonna get to Studio City? What's the route you're gonna take? Um, that's actually a pretty easy one, I think. Um, from, from our house in Culver City, we would, uh, we have a ride that goes from the Expo Line station in Culver City to, uh, to Beverly Hills. It actually goes to UCLA, but about halfway on that, we would then transition to one of our other rides that is uh, Mulholland Drive. And so you'd have to actually ride that backwards a bit to Sepulveda. Um, not really. We, we never go against traffic. We don't mean backwards in we that mean sense. Back, backwards in the sense of the way we, we choreographed it in the book. Oh. So, so, you'd go, so you'd go Santa Monica Boulevard um, west to Sepulveda and continue up Sepulveda to um, the Skirball Center. And then you'd need a short um, four miles, more or less, to continue on Sepulveda to the Orange Line, okay, which, is, which runs along basically, uh, where is it at that point? Just about the Sepulveda Basin. You'd, you'd get on the Orange Line, and you'd ride the Orange Line bikeway all the way to North Hollywood 
And then in North Hollywood, you would get on our, um, what's the name of that ride that goes along, that goes from there to, you know, the, the Chandler, get on the Chandler bikeway right. to, um, to, to Burbank. And then you just need to turn, um, turn right on one of those streets there that would take you to, to Studio City. So if I've got it right, it's about a 25 mile ride more or less in about four or five of that would be on 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 streets that would not be in our book but the rest of it would be in our book so we've taken half a dozen of our rides tied them together go from culver city to studio city well and, yeah please oh i'm sorry that brings something to mind which um was sort of a discovery for me you know we talked to a lot of people who ride the city and they gave us their secrets and um or i hope they shared some of them with us and one of the things that was a side ride to that orange line ride that john just mentioned is uh the great wall of los angeles which is in another uh, storm drainage channel and it's tohunga tonga wash tohunga wash and it is this fantastic mural that uh, was originally done, what was it done in the 1970s and recently restored? Yeah, it's at LA Valley College. It's at Valley, uh, yeah, and LA Valley totally College. it's totally worth seeing. Mm. It's uh, uh, Judy Baca's work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Hmm. It's a fabulous mural, fabulous mm -hmm. artwork. Now, the way John put that Studio City ride together shows just kind of this encyclopedic, you know, this like super cartographic um, knowledge of the area that you got through putting together this book. But to me, that's insane. With all due respect, I would never take that route for my, myself, and I'll tell you why, because I'm leaving late. I've got 45 minutes to ride from my house to Studio City. There's no way I'm heading up to the you know, Chandler bikeway or any of that stuff. I'm looking for the crow flies. How would you go crow fly your house to Studio crow, City? Crow fly my house to um, Studio City, I'd probably go um, Putting you on the spot a little bit. No, 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 no. Actually, I'd, say I'd probably go Castle Heights, which is through um, Beverly Will and the back end of the south end of of Beverly Hills, and I'd go up Benedict Canyon. Is that like Beverly Glen? Uh, no, I'd stay no, off Beverly Glen. I don't oh, like yeah, Beverly Glen. That's east, right? Yeah, I'd go. Um, that's a little too dangerous. With yeah, so I'd go Benedict Canyon, which is which is west of um, east of Beverly Glen. Yeah, east, 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 east of Beverly yeah, Glen. between Beverly Glen and, and Coldwater. And probably go um, east on Mulholland Drive for two or three streets and then go down um, something like maybe Coldwater Canyon. Coldwater Canyon's pretty wide on the north side, and so I'd probably feel comfortable going down that. Yeah, yeah. And then um, that gets me into basically into Studio City. It's, uh, you know, that's probably, that's the crow flies. And I'd have no problem doing that. I mean, that's uh, Benedict Canyon is not particularly um, uh, trafficked. Not like not like Coldwater or um, uh, some of the ones further east. Yeah, that's a great tip. Benedict Canyon is a pretty nice climb when you're heading north up into the hills, yeah. and it isn't that traffic. Mm -hmm. They redid it some years ago, and I think that really took some of the traffic edge off it. Yeah, repaved it. That's one of my favorite rides, up and over. Mm. Yeah. What about for folks who aren't comfortable with the up and over? Because that's a steady climb. I mean, you know, it, it, it takes either low gearing or it takes nice nice quads or whatever. Well, the 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 um, is what's his name? William Mulholland, our our famous slash infamous from from uh, from a hundred years ago or whatever. I think he. He noticed early on the essential challenge that we have in, in Los Angeles is that we have the, the southern part of Los Angeles and the northern part, and unfortunately the Santa Monica Mountains are right in the middle. And to get over those, to over those you either need low gears and big quads, or you need to, to go way east to get around them. Because, because there's really no, uh, mm -hmm. to, to get to the San Fernando Valley, you got to just it's a frontal attack of those santa monica mountains mm -hmm. so um so unfortunately to get from from our house on the on the west houses on the west side beverly hills or culver city to studio city it's attack it head on or take metro mm -hmm. i mean there, there's no bike tunnel yet yeah <laughs> and um i think it's called beverly hills for a reason <laughs> yeah, that's true well you mentioned that one of the easier up and overs is sepulveda you know if you can go a little bit to the west you can up and over sepulveda and that's 
there's a reason why there's a freeway there, just like the 110, uh, the, the, the Hollywood freeway goes through the Coenga Pass because that's the lowest, that's the most easily yeah. traversed route. Like the Native Americans found that, and then, you know, we just built on that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Sepulveda is one of the easiest. And, you know, there are changes coming to Sepulveda. They're doing a lot of, Caltrans is doing a lot of work. And I hear now and again talk about would there be, you know, a, some sort of metro link from the west side up to the uh, the busway up in the valley. I mean, so it's possible that when we look ahead 15 years or so, cyclists might have a much easier up and over. Yeah, but, but that'd take all the fun out of it. Oh, well, that would take <laughs> no, I'm, and, and I'm, some of the sweat. I, I'm serious. I would like to, I w- seriously, I would like to see a, um, a some, some kind of bike infrastructure that uh, took advantage of Sepulveda Pass. It's still a climb. And so I don't honestly, I'm, I'm not an engineer, a planner. I don't quite know how to, to, to deal with that essential geographic challenge. But aside from that, I would like to see him stripe that yeah. up by bike lane yeah. all the way over to the orange line. It needs to go all the way to the orange line to make it um, a valuable part of our inconnect, interconnected bike system here. For sure. And, yeah. you know, there you mentioned the geographic challenge. Well, that's not going away except for Sarah's tunnel. You know, we'll hope <laughs> yeah. for that. But there's also that safety challenge. And Sepulveda's, you know, always been a problem. And with this new, um, with the Sepulveda, with the 405 expansion, which is a kind of a joint Caltrans metro project, I remember as much as two years ago going to the, um, the Caltrans, the BAC7 meetings, happens about once a month, where Caltrans... Um, it's a meeting uh, for bicyclists and Caltrans folks. And I remember two years ago, uh, Stephen Box and Alex Thompson, some of our other kind of leading advocates here, were really leaning on Caltrans. Like, you know, this is a billion-dollar project through this past, and you guys have totally forgotten cyclists. You know, the one meeting that's kind of came to a little bit of a rancorous um, um, head when, uh, when Caltrans was proposing to put signs down that, you know, you should walk your bike through this construction area and they, and, and they were saying hey you know, you know you're not telling motorists to push their cars through the construction area and so that for me that kind of put on, on put this kind of issue on the agenda that when we look at a project like the 405 widening or some of the other big ticket metro projects or even some of the, the major boulevards we have the Crosstown Wilshire and Olympic you know, th- we have to start building in these these bicycle components so that if we can't, even if we can't eliminate that geographic challenge, we can at least start to ameliorate the safety, the safety challenge. Yeah, you know, I have this, I have this dream um, uh, that that someday in the future, when when gasoline is forty dollars per gallon or whatever, and it's inevitably going to be much higher than it is now. It's just a, a, just a an economic reality. That, that we're going to have these thousands and thousands and thousands of drivers that are giving up their automobiles and taking to bicyclists, bicycles, and they're going to be going before city councils and planning commissions and saying, why didn't you guys build us more bicycle infrastructure when you had the opportunity? And us bicyclists will be able to say, see, you should have listened to us. I did hear a news story recently that in Greece, Fortunately and very unfortunately, bicycling is one of the more right. booming businesses, uh, aside from Greek yogurt. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 making a comeback out of necessity. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, it's also interesting, you know, if you look at a, at a nation like China, for example, or India, that has such a long history with the bike, you know, culturally ingrained and the practical transportation choice, they, it's China particularly, urban China, has such now auto challenges. Like mm. they, they have fast forwarded into the auto era's um, angst of congestion and, and, and you know, uh, they simply can't build fast enough to accommodate their new car buyers. Yeah. And it'd be really interesting to see how those cultures start to look back to the bike. I'm wondering if mm. you have any feeling about the electric bike, about it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's. Um, I see it come up more and more, and obviously there is some opportunity, this profit-making opportunity for electric bike manufacturers. And it's a lot, so there are reasons why people will get behind an electric bike. Any feeling about whether the electric bike is going to revolutionize trans- personal transportation? Well, I'm, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, we, you know, when you, we... we we're, we're talking earlier about kind of our, our default rides. Well, our default ride 
is we're four blocks away from Biona Creek, the Biona Creek bike path. So we, we leave our house, ride four blocks through our neighborhood, Biona Creek to, to Playa del Rey, and we get on the Marvin Brody bike trail south to Redondo. Okay, that's our default ride. We just, it's, it's 30 something miles. It's our, it's our training ride. It's just our fun ride. We've done it a thousand, uh, thousands liter- of times. Literally yes. thousands of times. And, and what we notice is in the last year or so that the, the, the number of electric bikes on that has gone from zero to, to quite a few. And I'm, I'm really actually really a little bit scared about scared of those because they are two or three times faster than we might bicycle there. It's a narrow path and an electric bicycle is heavier than a regular bicycle and it's going faster. And so I'm, I'm concerned about um, bike on bike accidents. Sometimes they feel a little aggressive. Yeah, because they're because they're they're not pedaling. They're going under motor power and um, they zip. They zip right by you with, without an on your left or any kind of bell or anything like that. And it's just, it, it's a little, it's, it's more than a little bit disconcerting. And so I'm, so I'm glad to see people out in, a, in a, a form of transportation that's not an automobile. But at the same time, as a traditional bicyclist, I'm a, a little bit, a little bit concerned. And these bicycles, these electric bicycles, you don't have to do anything other than ride it like a normal bike. There's no license. There's no uh, licensing requirements for the vehicle, anything like that. And so I'm a little bit concerned that it's just uh, that it's creating uh, additional hazards for us traditional bicyclists. On the other hand, I do think there's a beauty to being able to bike up the hills that you might not be, feel comfortable with and you could switch to the traditional mode and and do these routes that you know commutes or whatever routes that you might not be able to do otherwise mm-hmm. so i think there is that advantage mm. yeah I, I guess i can see that advantage one of the things one of the the the, the, the prefaces in your book is uh, oh i forget what you called it it was a reference to the cooperative culture in uh, bicycle culture in los angeles um, it was a play on the bicycle kitchen um, oh, communal cookery, uh. right? Communal cookery. So you have this this couple of pages that talks about our kind of particular bike culture here, which came out of, say, the bicycle kitchen and this idea that um, we have this this ecology of cycling here, which is as yet an underground ecology, but yet it's a healthy ecology. It recycles bicycles. Uh, it you know disassembles and reassembles them and everything. And I guess I myself wonder when you put an electric bike in the mix. First of all, there's a new category of of waste because now you have a battery that has to get disposed of but i also wonder if it's not if it's if it's not if it's like a a monkey wrench if you will into this kind of fluid bicycle recycling culture we have here any feeling about that or maybe even chicken leather has a feeling about that well i'd like to uh, you know you mentioned this 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 cooperative um uh bicycling community is I would really like to see us take that idea of cooperative bicycle mechanicing environment, which is teaching people how to be self-sufficient on their bicycle. I'd like to see that extended to um, let's teach each other how to bicycle safely, bicycle smartly, and um, bicycle in a way that is um, that is conducive to change among automobilists, among, among drivers. You know, if we start, if we behave really well, it might show bicycles, might show automobile drivers that we're not a bunch of crazy idiots out there just breaking the laws and doing dumb stuff, that we really care about our own safety, we care about pedestrian safety, we care about driver safety as well. And that, and that I really would hesitate, I, I really hate to see that come about by some law from Sacramento. I'd rather see it be something that's organic, that comes about through the bicycling community and we do it ourselves because that gives us the power to direct it however we want and it, get, and it brings all voices into that conversation. That's what, that's what I'd like to see is take that, that kernel, that idea that was created by the bike kitchen, the bike oven, microwave, the Valley Bikery, 
all of these these people that are at the forefront of cooperativeness and put that into let's all teach each other bicycle safety and good conduct i think that's kind of you know to, to but but as fact as far as these electric bikes uh, and these gasoline powered bikes i don't know i don't know it's a tough one for me to to like I just I'm scared of them in a way. Well, Sarah was kind of making the point, or I, I think she was suggesting that they might be a point of entry for people who might not otherwise have cycled. Get them on two wheels. Perhaps they'll start thinking about um, other forms of two other forms of two wheel transit. I mean, you know, cycling today and and especially bike hardware, you know, is such a um, kind of a status uh, item. Uh, you know, expensive bikes have always been kind of a status item, but among a relatively few people. Now we have, at least here in LA, we have this kind of burgeoning consciousness and it kind of is a, attached at the hip with the fixie culture where um, it's, there's a certain status in just being a cyclist on the streets. So maybe, in the best case, maybe electric bicycles will start to get people over to the two-wheel side and then maybe they'll start thinking a little bit more about the, the kind of the rich nuance of, of bike culture otherwise. Okay, so what you're saying is, I start out. Didn't you say you started out with a, a, a stingray? Mm -hmm. Do you still have your stingray? Um, Probably not. No, no, have, no. But like but I'm sure you've got more than one so. bike, and and I'm sure it's not a fixed gear. So you went from stingray well, no, to no, like no, no, a. No, 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 no. I've got a, I've got a single speed. Okay. I've got, I've got a single speed. All right. It's, so it's you went not from. Not a fixie, but it's a single speed. You, you went from stingray to geared bike to fixie, or geared bike to something else, or stingray to. Was a stingray I think, I like headgear? I think I'm like an octopus. I like developed all these tentacles at once. I mean, I, the single speed and my geared bikes, they all just kind of happened around the same time. And, yeah. And John's also been involved with building bikes. Oh, well, see, I think I think that gets back maybe to your component about uh, people that know how to fix your bike. Because after a while, the, the first thing I really try to do from Ciclavia and these sort of breakthrough kind of moments is to actually tell somebody, maybe you should really learn just the basics first off, and then we'll go to the harder things. Because you always get people that come in and they want to convert their bike from a geared bike into a fixed gear bike at some of these collectives. And it, and it gets back to the fact that it's like, well, you can do it. We can do it for you, but it's a labor-intensive kind of thing, and I think we should learn the labor because you're going to be doing this a lot. Everybody thinks that once you've turned it into a fixed-gear bike, you'll never have to have any maintenance on it, where in one respect it does take more maintenance. It takes more um, listening to those familiar, like, what's that crack? What's that sound? What, what, what is that? Is, that? is that something I should take care of now? Is that just a, a warning sign? Or is that just something I forget about? Is that something I can just sort of put off for three weeks as, as part of normal maintenance? Or is that something I should really look into right away? I mean, the question is, did you, how did you make that transition from like being a kid? And I, I'm not saying that you're not a kid still, but being, <laughs> having that that intuitiveness to, to say I, I've got my stingray now what do I start riding now that it, I you know I, I love going to events on a stingray or a girl's bike and they look at me like what the hell is this about well, or a 20 inch wheelbase you know I, th I think on on one level uh, to me a bike's a bike exactly I, I mean I'd never uh, it, it's more like it, it's it, it, uh, I was kind of raised in a family that was mechanical. My dad was very mechanical. My brother was very mechanical. We fixed stuff. Okay, so my analogy is a toolbox. I would box. say fixed and built stuff. Fil fixed and built stuff. In my my analogy would be a toolbox. Is I have a hammer and a screwdriver and a pair of pliers. Okay, well, I'm not going to pick up the hammer to change a light bulb. Okay, same with my bicycles. I have I have a mountain bike. Okay, I have my single speed. We have, we have a, a very, very inexpensive bike that we ride over to the corner store to get milk or oh. a vegetable or something I like that. I thought you were going to say we also have a very inexpensive baby bike in we our have, home. We have, we like, have, like a beater bike. Yeah, well, it's not a beater bike because, because it's, it's just, it's just a, it's, it's a bike. And then I have, I have my road bikes. I have my commuter bike. And so, so I, I kind of have... It, it, I, you might think like, what the hell's he got all these bikes for when one would do? Right. But it's it's also I'd never ride a single speed. 
in in a traffic environment because I want I want a lot more control over the braking, you know, things like that. By so, law, by law, you have to have a brake in California. On a fixie, for example, you have to have a handbrake. Right, and tell me how many of those fixies that are out there on these streets in Los Angeles actually have a brake? Right. I think there's a there's somewhat of a disconnect between what people people do in 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 the law. So so, uh, like I said, I choose to be safe and in pick up the bike that's got the biggest brakes when I'm around traffic. Mm -hmm. And for, for me, um, the fixie culture actually, or the a fixie bike, not, not the culture of the bike, doesn't hold much allure because I love the gears. You know, I'm all about maximizing the effort, which you can do through the gears, and you know, the fixie is a whole other thing. But, but let's face it, what the, what the fixie revolution has done is it has, it has opened this city to, to thousands of people, thousands of kids who would have been trapped in their neighborhoods. And it's, it's open to this community to them in this county, this city. And I think that is uh, a remarkable revolution. And, and if whether we like the fixies, we don't like the fixie crowd, whatever our position is, that's not the point. The point is that it's getting people out, getting them to their friends, and in, in a... In a or, in commuting a or, or, or commuting. Or commuting or whatever they're doing um, that's not car. Yeah. And, and also, I do love the enthusiasm the, and the aesthetic of it. People have so much fun with that, and it's pretty fabulous. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I, I just want to be clear. I embrace a fixie culture. I just don't personally embrace a fixie. Right. Yeah. And it, but, I, you know, I love that the, that the fixie culture, especially among the youth and especially among the youth in, in some of our kind of economically disadvantaged neighborhoods, like, like John's saying, I love that the, the, the fixie culture kind of starts to move, push the envelope outward in a way that just frankly the spandex riders, uh, and I count myself as one as well, but the spandex riders don't in, in Los Angeles for whatever reason, just my work in Beverly Hills. I've realized and I've not figured it out that when it comes to advocacy and pushing that envelope outward, this, the spandex crowd largely is MIA. Any, any thoughts on that or am I wrong about that? Well, um, that's a that's an interesting question um, that that I think transcends all these bicycling communities. It's whether it be the the single speed fixie riders, the commuters, the spandex roadies, the mountain bikers. It's it's why aren't they uniformly more involved? In, in advancing our cause. And it's, who knows, I, I don't have, I mean, I, I'm a roadie, I'm a spandex guy, you know. But I also ride, I also commute, I also do all these other things. And so I just honestly don't, I mean, I've, maybe I've just not talked to enough people to know why that is, but it, but it is. And I think that um, maybe it's not so important as to who belongs to our advocacy groups is that we can ultimately have a voice is, the, is that all of those people in one way or another whether it be through uh, the Wolfpack Hustle or through uh, a bike cooperative or through the coalition or through getting out and riding the rides in our book whatever mm -hmm. if we get out there and we just and we just announce our presence we just say we are here that maybe that's enough to maybe that's the way to get things done is just get people out there. Mm -hmm. We're here talking with John Riddle and Sarah Amilar, authors of Where to Bike Los Angeles. I'm here with, uh, with Nick, with uh, Chicken Leather, just musing about bikes and bike culture in the second hour of Bike uh, Talk. Uh, John, you mentioned uh, Wolfpack Hustle. Don Ward uh, brought a bunch of folks out to Beverly Hills this past uh, Thursday for one of our city council meetings. Um, Don has, has been active in the past, um, trying to call attention to um, well, hit and runs, but also specifically how how uh, the cops investigate and treat bike collisions. And Beverly Hills probably doesn't have an illustrious history of in-depth investigation of, of you know bike collisions, even some heinous ones. So, so Don Ward kind of put out a, a heads up, and uh, he turned out about 20 people, 20 cyclists, to, to Beverly Hills City Council chambers. This happened to be the same day that that uh, the council earlier in the day 
was reviewing uh, possible bike routes, you know, where to put sharrows down and the like. That's a whole other story. But, um, but, but Don and, and these folks came out from Panorama City. There was a, a guy from Bell Gardens. Uh, there was a couple of women from downtown L.A. and somewhere else. And there was a Beverly Hills mom and her two daughters saying, uh, geez, we'd love to ride into the center of town for ice cream, but, you know, we're too scared. And when you hear that from an 8-year-old or a 10-year-old, you know, it really makes an impression. So that just kind of reminds me, John, of what you said, that uh, it really takes all these different um, elements of the bike culture to kind of push that envelope, that advocacy envelope outward and to show the policymakers that, you know, we need the safety facilities. And it's not, it's obviously it's not going to be the spandex guys. I mean, I'm just grousing about that today, but it, it may be the fixie guys, you know, and, and, and women, and it, it may be the uh, cooperative uh, folks, and it's going to be the utility cyclists, and um, which, of course, brings me to vehicular cyclists. What do you feel about that? There's a kind of, um, in the bike culture, there's a kind of a low boil about whether vehicular cyclists today are constructive or maybe are in some way kind of getting in the way of the message. I'll, I'll use an example like John Forrester, vehicular cyclist that that um, really put vehicular cycling on the map. Cars should, a bike cyclist should ride with the cars. And there's a kind of a uh, an adherent or a, uh, you know vehement vehicular cycling culture out there that says you know we don't need a bike lane because c- cyclists should ride with the cars. We are traffic and to give us a se- separate or segregated facilities kind of maintains this dual tier. You know, we experience that as second as a second class status. You know, cyclists today feel second class, and those vehicular cyclists say, you know, that just kind of reinforces this dual class or multi-class road road user system. What do you think about that? Again, putting you on the spot a little. Well, that's bit. O- that's okay. Um, I, I I can tell you from firsthand experience riding in Europe that the infrastructure in Europe is, the bicycle infrastructure in Europe is, is clearly much more, much better and much more developed and much more advanced than it is here, here in the U.S. And you see more bicyclists. So, um, uh, I mean, my, my day job is to, is to look at relationships like that. And so I see better bicycle infrastructure, more of it, more bicyclists. There's probably a correlation there. There's probably a correlation there. So, um, and we also know from from anecdotal evidence, just talking to people about about how they feel about bicycling, that more better bicycle specific in- infrastructure increases the number of bicyclists. So, if that's our goal mm-hmm. to get more people out of their cars, more people doing their one and two mile errand type in commute type bicycle or errands on bicycle as opposed to car then i think the answer is building bicycle specific infrastructure that's that's what that's the lesson i learned until that day comes um do i've heard you 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 got this book where to bike but i've also heard where you don't bike too uh you were talking about the compton creek and everything believe it or not i I actually rode that thing at night the day it was open and it it was beautiful even it could be. and it, and it, what we went back like 5 months later and it rained and it was probably one of the worst days it was a tour to watts and it was because like you say there was a lot of trash there was a lot of 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 things that could be cleaned up right and and yet they were addressing things like instead of looking at it like why are people dumping stuff here why aren't people using this as a bike route it's like well why aren't you providing a place where people can dump and people can have back their bike route. And in fact, yeah. some of the times you you see that. I'm wondering, are there places you won't bike because there's no infrastructure? Because there's no place to like a repair station, or or there's there's no line out there. Do do you really feel that's uh, inherent in, in biking? Because I, I know a lot of people did say, pack your own repair kit. Uh, you know, be be ready to to face it. But I, I, I'm not asking. To, as a confrontation, but mm-hmm. as an enlightenment thing, where, where do you think needs to be improved? Um, I think that there are big areas on the map where we actually don't have rides. 
where there is not enough bike infrastructure. And I personally love biking with as few cars as possible. That's just my preference. John is a bit braver than I am, and I and I do all these rides. But um, I, you know, the yeah, the less interaction with cars, the happier I am. And I don't worry about being segregated. I don't think that is a negative uh, segregation. I think that's protective. And by the way, we do advocate wearing helmets. We do like people to be as safe as, as they can. I'm glad you but, mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know, John, maybe you want to say something. I, I think on, on, a, on an abstract level, there's that, that uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's no part of L.A. County that's off limits that, that, that I'll ride. I'm just likely to look at... The maps look at the maps I have that what I know about getting from point A to B pretty carefully so that I so that I, I choose the the absolute safest route I'm not just gonna say well let's see I want to go to Boyle Heights today I'll just draw a line from my house to Boyle Heights and there's where I'm going yeah because I'm not I'm not gonna do that I'm gonna go I'm gonna think well is this better than this and I'll take the, to the, the obviously take the more bike friendly of, of the routes I can find. So I'm not so cavalier as to say, well, I'm just going to go where the hell ever I want to go. And, and having said that, I, I want to suggest my way on your, what was it? Uh, to Studio City. Studio City, City. To, yeah, to, to Culver City. To Culver City. Yeah. Okay, Culver City. I would, I would go literally up and until uh, I could get on the red line and go over the hill with the red line, be rested for, I don't know, what is that, maybe two, three miles, and then get off. You know, uh, in downtown, whatever, and I could either get on the uh, the ancillary kind of uh, bike way with the orange line and and be in Studio City. I mean, if we're talking Valley Circle, I I think I'd I'd take maybe a, a safer route. Having said this, I have done that route the fastest I can, uh, and I was amazed. Uh, maybe 30, 35 minutes, but it wasn't wait, like for, a straight from, line. Wait, from, from Studio City to Culver City in 35 minutes? Yeah, I did it one time. I would like to ride with you, man. You cook. <laughs> you cook. Well, no, <laughs> no. No, no, but this was, this was like I got to get there for some reason. And in, and in fact, it was a, a, a silly reason now, but it was like you, you have to... To see if you could get there in 35 no, minutes. No, it That's wasn't like that. It was, it, was, uh, it was actually trying to get an insurance policy to the other thing for some uh, shoot. And I remember once I, I had taken it on a, on a scooter, and I got there, but I got stopped. So the money I made, the, the time I made up was now money lost in time because now instead of having the, the, the uh, permit there, I had to actually sit there and talk to a cop, uh, a police officer, and tell him. You know, why were you doing that? Well, I was trying to get from here to there for this or something. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, this is also the, I guess, has Premium Rush opened or something about Bike Messenger? And there's all this. Wow, Thursday night. And they're they're talking about the movie being, like, so convoluted with everything. But it's great action sequences. I think they're missing the point that uh, when, when I did hear, what is his name, Gordon Levitt or whatever his name, talk about this. He talked about how there is a bike culture and stuff. He tried to change it back in the bike culture, and they, the interviewer was always trying to get it back, like, hey, you crashed. Why did you crash? And it came out that uh, it was ancillary to the movie. It was just a fluke. And I think that's what we have to address sometimes. We, we don't address enough the idea of, you know, these are always safe, these are safe routes and everything, but there's always that fluke. And maybe that's what you're, you know, why do you wear a helmet? Because you, you know you're going to get into an accident. And it's like, no, you never know. Yeah. You wear it for it's a safety insurance. factor. Exactly. Yes. I mean, I, I met a woman at one point who was riding, and she wasn't wearing a helmet because she said that she was on a route that didn't have cars. But that's not a reason. You could actually hit your head. You could be in a bike-bike well, collision. But, but the other thing is yeah. that what made me very sad a few years ago when there was a, a fatal accident on a bike path in New York City um, and the person who was killed actually was very active in the white bike movement. And I looked at who had been... Go, ghost bikes, yeah. Ghost, ghost bikes, bikes, exactly. Yeah. And I looked at, you know, the history of that, and I saw that many, many of them had actually happened on bike-only paths. Yeah. But a lot of them happened at the intersection where cars had to cross them and people weren't prepared. So just because you're bike-only doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't wear a helmet. Yeah, or, or switch off that thing. And, and I, I bring this to mind because Don would argue that if we make it safe enough uh, for everyone, then you, you, don't, you really might not need that helmet or something. Maybe not as... as 
badly, but you could, <laughs> you could still have a concussion. Exactly. You could still fall from a bike, and, and there certainly can be bike-bike collisions. Exactly. So uh, having, having said this, the, the last question is, you've been wearing this uh, uh, Better Living Through Architecture t-shirt today. And uh, I know a group of people called uh, uh, Materials and Application, where they take materials and they apply them to architecture and stuff. I think the same thing might be used with bicycles. We've only seen the first generation of carbon fiber, and now kids are getting into it, and they're, mm. they're realizing that. But they're sort of leaving all these things behind. And, and my question to you, do, do you see, in my neighborhood, uh, northeast Los Angeles, I see a lot more people doing stranger things with bikes than you would ever believe because, in its essence, it's like you said before, it's, it's a bike. It's two wheels. But they're using it to get from point A to B. Uh-huh. They're using it not just that way, but they're using it for things like not recreation, but their work uh-huh. for transportation and stuff. I'm wondering, do you, do you think that might be an area if we started seeing like rocket science, old frames that are really light being used for commuters or something or sure. something like that? Sure, why not? But, but I would also say that in architecture and other fields, sometimes restrictions and constraints actually um, give way to creativity. You have to come up with even more greater solutions. And so sometimes, you know, where people have the most limited resources is where they are most inventive and come up with the coolest ideas. So I think that happens in a lot of inner yeah. cities in LA and elsewhere and I think that's that's by culture at its at its finest Absolutely. Here in LA and, and elsewhere but um, I uh, okay so so I, I was, I was going to point out that that this idea of taking something uh, off the assembly line and and making it your own it's not new no I mean the moment Henry Ford started making the Model T men and women were taking those cars and making them their own whether you put you know this part that part repainting them whatever it it almost instantly became a um uh, a statement of personality and then 30 years later 40 years later when these model t's were sitting in some guy's junk heap in the backyard another generation of teenagers came along and stripped them down and turned them into what we call hot rods now and so, so I would, I, I think that the, that the, that each one of us has our bicycle that fits our personality, that's kind of been, we've played with it and fixed it and done things to it that makes it our own statement in a way. We might not admit it. And so I think, you know, it would not surprise me that, that 10 years from now we see kids making fixies out of what once was a $5,000 Eddie Merckx or a $7,000 Pinarello road frame. Or, so, to, or total trash. Or, or Sadly, total trash. they're doing that today. Yeah, yeah. So, so, it's, so it's, it's, I think there's uh, great prospects for these bikes continuing to be on the road for a long time. Well, having said that, uh, uh, and I think we're going to wrap up the hour if we haven't already, um, the, the last thing I wanted to suggest to people is uh, the idea of intermodal we talked about how the gold line uh well not the gold line but the arroyo seco and the uh, raised uh, uh, bike path might have been a way to get from los angeles to pasadena in that vein today starting or having started an hour ago they're having uh entertainment along the gold line today uh i think it's actually 20 dollars, but i personally never pay that much money and i have seen, similarly, I, I don't think a lot of it is seen out here, but I have seen it on occasion where you get performers on bands and they put out the hat. Um, we don't see a lot of it here because I think the police look at it as panhandling, but um, I, I see it a lot of it in New York. That is uh, happening today. I think it's $20 to ride the line back and forth and see all these performers on or, the lines. Or what, whatever you can afford to pay. Exactly. And I, I think... Uh, in some sense, some of these things deserve more that you afford to pay, and some deserve less than you deserve to pay. But having said that, uh, uh, look forward to you uh, using more intermodal kind of yeah. transportation. It's, it's one of the one of the things we wanted to do with the book is is build our rides around public transportation. It, it on on one plane, it doesn't make any sense to us to go out on a bike ride, but the first thing you have to do is drive across town to start a ride. Exactly. I mean, that seems kind of like well, why didn't you just either ride there in the first place 
or take some other form of transportation that's less impactful. Well, thank you so much, John Riddle and Sarah Amalar, authors of Where to Bike Los Angeles, for coming in today. Bike Talk Studios, Kill Radio, and KPFK. It's been a great talk. We're here with Chicken Leather, Nicholas Richard. I'm Mark Elliott. And wrapping up. And thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. It was so fun.